0: Alright everybody, welcome in, we're back with another episode of
1: Cheek's Cooking Court. Fuck you in the year, that's not this at all. <laughs> hacked history? Cheek's Cooking Court. It's mostly just show- me showing people how to make methamphetamine in their own home. Uh, um, which you should not do, by the way. I'm the Martha anyway. Stewart of, of Meth Labs, which I'm not.
0: Did you just say you're the Martha Stewart of Meth Labs? That's a t-shirt! <laughs> Christ almighty. Okay. Move on. We're doing a hacked history. That's the name of this podcast. So that's pretty cool. Uh, we are coming back with uh, another Sonai uh, regular episode
1: after our uh, March Madness episode, the yeah. Presidents. We are going to make this probably a four parter, maybe five, depending on how we space things up. <laughs> it's, it's, Not it's, that it's going to be boring.
0: It's, it's going to be a long We are covering. Wait, wait for it, wait for it.
1: Watergate. We're doing Watergate. <laughs> I'll also, if you listen to our last episode, which you should, and if you don't, shame on you, uh, I debated the fact that Lucas is. Uh mom does not make Watergate salad. Update I was wrong. Watergate salad is indeed a thing. Ha, it is a thing. It looks like it's like type two diabetes in a bowl, but yeah. It's delicious. It's delicious. I'm not I'm not knocking Marshmallows
0: your mom. And then like... It's like
1: pistachio pudding? What the fuck so is good it? Insulin. What is it?
0: I'll tell you what, we'll post the recipe up online for Watergate salad, so for the next episode you can go ahead and eat some Watergate salad as we discuss Watergate for
1: you. You might want to check your uh, your blood sugar before you do it, or you're going to a coma. Uh,
0: I've been eating it, and I haven't died, so I think
1: you're just made of stronger stuff. It's all that cheese. Um... It's all the cheese there. Yeah. Oh, it Okay, well, so let's
0: get going on to... Wait, before we get going, though, go ahead and give us a follow there on the old Facebook. <laughs>
1: So, so That's old follow dear. You know. Oh, yeah, when you
0: got the time, you know. Like, hat history on Facebook. Hat to underscore history on Instagram. Uh, we are on basically uh, any of the <laughs> podcast directors you can possibly think of. Out there on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher. <laughs> podcast addict. <laughs> is that an actual website? That you is made that? a real thing. Oh my fucking god. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'd like to. Th- uh, I have noticed we uh, we have an uptick is- so far in uh, listeners from India. Right now, even hey! show numbers, that's like 20% of our audience. What? So I just want to go ahead and say... Wait,
1: uh, they surpassed the people in Argentina?
0: They did. So I just want to give a shout-out to all our Indian listeners. Thank you for joining, and uh, we appreciate that, don't we, Jake? Yes, we do. And uh, we appreciate all of our listeners, and no matter where you're listening, over the world. Jake's about to... I'm not going to let him interrupt me. We appreciate Shit, you. Shit, no. Please keep listening to the podcast, and uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, check us out. Uh, check us out. Go ahead and shoot us an email.
2: Smash that like button, Ring that bell.
0: (laughs) At hackshistory 101 at gmail.com. Jake, any comments before we get going? I was gonna gonna
1: say, as an endearment to our Indian listeners, that we, unlike Richard Nixon, think the Mahatma Gandhi's wife is, uh, very attractive. In a very respectful (laughs) way. Because, if you listened to our last, uh, episode about Nixon, he insulted her fairly savagely. In fact, it was really unfair. But, uh, anyway... We are indeed... Th- Whoa! You, now you're interrupting me, asshole? Is I, that how this is gonna what, go? What was the...
0: Do you, I, mean, I remember this from John Oliver episode, but what was that one... Oh, I think it was Sylvia Berlusconi no, who, Sylvia. Called someone who called someone an unfuckable lardass.
1: <laughs> he called Angela Merkel an unfuckable lardass, which, right, be did. honest, she's probably the second to top most powerful woman in the European Union, so you watch your fucking step.
0: Oh, Sylvia...
1: <laughs> She'll Why? blitzkrieg all over you. <laughs> anyway.
0: Anyway. Uh, <laughs> war crimes. Um, Watergate part. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs>
1: here we go. Are you done now? <laughs> I'm done. Okay. So, uh, just as a heads up for the listeners, uh, part one here is gonna be primarily the build-up to Watergate, like the break-in. Part two will be the break-in itself, because there's a lot of funny shit that I could not like like we would not be doing it as a service, as an in-depth like research one. Uh part three to part four will be both the fallout, and then la- and at the very end, it be the president's resignation. Woodward, Bernstein, deep throat, stuff like that. Um, and no, we will not be playing deep throat clips. That's not what we're talking um, about. Um, primarily because it's just going to be choking sounds.
0: Also, that's not what this is.
1: Yeah. So. Find us on OnlyFans for the real videos of
0: it. No, no, we do not have an OnlyFans account. Maybe Jake has one? I don't know. I'm not a whore. <laughs> you don't have to be a whore. Are you saying that people on OnlyFans are whores because
1: I would say a good chunk of, of them are people willing to flash TNA for money.
0: That's <laughs> us make them a whore. That makes them entrepreneurs.
1: Fair enough. All right. So, we're going to start with part one. So want to set the stage for you guys as to what is going on prior to Watergate. Because Watergate is kind of seen as, like, for a lot of people, the kind of, we, of like... Can we hashtag before the gate? Fine. Basically, what I want to explain is where America is at this point and why 1972 is a big deal. So, I started this basically looking at... And this is pretty much for Lucas and I to sort of discuss as we go... I listened to his State of the Union speech from 1972. Oh, lit. I had this grand idea just to compare and contrast the reality of the United States to what he was saying. Um, Just a heads up, actually, most of what he said was fairly accurate. Which, in this day and age... God, I miss that so fucking much right now. (laughs) Where you don't tell me that the room isn't on fire while I'm currently burning to death in the room. You can't
0: trust the fire department. It's their job to protect you.
1: (laughs) Is the world flat, too? Are you going to say that? All I'm saying, Jake, is that. Where are the vaccinations? Yeah. We're, follow we're, the money.
0: <laughs> follow the money, and uh, you'll get to a subterranean uh, beef hunters club, and in that club, <laughs> beef hunters club, you will find what we call the uh, the king slapstick,
1: and then what you're gonna do. All right, Henry Zabraski, I'm gonna I need mean, you get to tone it back a go, notch. Right, gonna, I will not gonna, let you on the airplane. You're going
0: down to Home Depot, and then you're gonna buy yourself a beautiful plant because that plant it's all knowing, and inside that plant. It's you, because you are that plant. Is this
1: just a euphemism for you getting high one day, and no, this is how this No, this is
0: literally just a bunch of
1: bullshit, because that's basically as much sense as uh, those people make, so... Okay, good. Um, so, there's just only going to be, like, a few things. A lot of what he talked about was sort of, like, the endearment of his policy and a lot of stuff he was going to do, and while he did do a lot of good stuff, we're not going to focus on that. I want to focus on some of the specific things he was talking about. So... Some of the few things that he did bring up in his original 1972... Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, the old, it's the OG State of the Union. Yeah, in 1972 State of the Union, which, for those of you who would like to know why it was a matter, was that 1972 was an election year... Uh, the fact here is that he basically starts off by talking about the fact that the American Congress must not waste the political opportunities of 72. He emphasized the need to avoid partisan or partisanship in the United States Congress and the House, which is fucking rich coming from this guy, because he plays that a lot. Like, he hates the left very much. Yeah. Richard Nixon was uh, what we call... A bullshitter. A, an extreme asshole. <laughs> Which is funny, because your opinion you might change after I talk about Nixon the man. The man, the myth, the legend. Or as I titled him, Nixon. In my new uh, autobiography, no, my biography, not autobiography. Nixon, the man at the center of the storm. Or the eye of the storm. Whatever it was. I don't fucking know. Uh, this is from a notebook, so everybody calm down. Um, he talked about the end of, I love this one, that's why I highlighted it. He talked about the end of domestic unrest in the United States and cities and campuses domestic on 1972, there was nothing, he says. Yeah, he focused on environmental safety, which, you know, I give him kudos for that, for building the EPA was a good move. Uh, he talked about, as part of his, like, positives of his, his administration was that the rate, of incre- uh, the rate of increase of crime had slowed by that point in time. And he pointed out that the rate of serious crime, which is mostly probably homicides, in the D.C. area... In 1971, or sorry, in 1972 and 1971, when he was kind of taking this data, had dropped around 13% from the previous year, which was 1970, uh, he was pushing the idea of promoting world peace and a post-Vietnam America, basically stating that in his mind, he basically said, we will maintain an army to basically maintain America's ideas around the globe, but we won't go any further than it. What directly affects us? Because he basically said we're not going to get involved in another bullshit war because France is too much of a pussy to deal with a bunch of rice farmers who can dress themselves up as trees. Well, that's simplifying
0: the Vietnam War just incredibly <laughs> too much. Um,
1: yeah, I know. That's kind of how a lot of Americans know it. Like it's just basically it would like when I would teach students in a U.S. history class. Uh, why are the trees talking? The trees are not talking, Jeremy. Why are the trees talking? The trees are fucking tall. Just, just, just then I go into like this fake PTSD, which is deeply offensive to every Vietnam veteran who ever had to go through and still goes through that. Just me going, they're not in the trees. God damn it, they're not in the trees. And,
0: God, why? Well, God damn it, why, why are you doing Charlie? To, why do we call him Charlie? <laughs> why do we call him Charlie? I'll tell you why we call him Charlie. Because Charlie's in the trees. Charlie's in you.
1: Matthew, Matthew, this is a Lincoln
0: commercial. We need you to call Charlie's me. Charlie's in the back of the car. But who is Charlie? What's Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know what you're thinking. Oh, I how God. I Bill Clinton's in the car with me. Oh, shit. <laughs> I get here. All right, anyway. Where are we going,
1: Bill? <laughs> Your mom's cooter. <killer. laughs> And (laughs) a Lincoln? That, like, goes over his head completely. (laughs) So, anyway, um, you know who was not a Lincoln? Richard Nixon. (laughs) Richard
0: Milhouse Nixon was
1: indeed not Lincoln. He was definitely not Lincoln. He was, was Republican, which was the party of Lincoln, but, uh, that's also a fucking lie. And that needs to not happen anymore. People need to stop saying that. Um, yeah, most of what he was talking about was just maintaining strong national defense force in order to achieve the goal of not having to deal with other people's shit. He definitely was a big fan of the strategic arms reductions, the SALT treaty reductions that Johnson had done. But for the most part, though, he said, we need to increase the amount of spending in the national defense budget for strategic weapons because otherwise, detente's not going to work. And for those of you who'd like to know, or maybe, Lucas, if you want to more succinctly describe detente, which I don't think you want to. I'm waiting for you to do it. Okay. (laughs) Detente basically was the idea of... Not posturing with the Soviet Union like we had done in the 50s and 60s that ended with, like, the Cuban Missile Crisis and the Berlin Wall. Uh, Basically, the idea was achieving parity between the two with a massive arms buildup, but also threatening, like, mutually assured destruction as a means of keeping each other from blowing us to Kingdom Come. Now, look here,
0: okay? We're not gonna make any missiles, okay? We're not gonna gonna use them on you. But just listen, okay? If... If uh, if you decide to go ahead and shoot missiles at us, we're going to have no choice but to take our little buddies right out of the missile cabinet
1: and shoot them right on back at you. Why do you sound like a, like, Virginia principal talking to a student about, like, not drawing dicks on school property? <laughs> that was the only accent I could think of at that point. I'm sorry. I don't know who that would have been in the administration, but it's um <laughs> Kissinger? I don't know. Kissinger would have been... Kissinger like, was some deep, like, Swiss-sounded dude, wasn't he? Kissinger it? would have been, like... I, I am here to talk to you about all of the arms with treaties. ladies. here's <laughs> what's going to happen. You don't shoot missiles at us. We don't shoot them at you. <laughs> it just gets very aggressive. <laughs> Crystal! <laughs> it's just like, Jesus, what? we're going to call this dead <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, basically, all of that fun geopolitical shit aside, uh, I mean, he was riding pretty high a little bit because Nixon had been doing a lot of good work. He touted a lot of the limited American foreign policy that he was coming up with, uh, like I said, involving us where only American interests would be threatened, avoiding Vietnam effectively, where we got dragged into a war to protect an ally, and that ally, again, France, you pussied out. You did. You really, really did. (laughs) I
0: disagree with the reason why we got into Vietnam War. And I'm just gonna, it's gonna be a little. Do it! Oh, that's fine, um, that's fine.
1: This is basically a discussion here. That...
0: My whole idea of why the US got in the uh, Vietnam War is not France. I think we definitely used it as an excuse to fight communism. Because my whole thing is I think that the American government at this time just had a large boner for fighting the Soviet Union without actually fighting the Soviet Union. Yeah, so, that
1: those goes down to the idea of containment in that. The domino theory in Southeast Asia, which, again, because I'm just blaming France, I'm doing it to be an asshole. I'm not doing it yeah, as my the, genuine the belief. The
0: domino theory is my genuine belief as to why we got in, into Vietnam because, honestly, I think if it wasn't involved in communism, <sighs> we would have been like France figure it out well
1: and that was the problem see we saw france fail and we said well shit if if they go the rest of them are going to go with them and that was kind of the issue because in vietnam i totally agree that at least in what i and what i feel the way i looked at it from when i studied a little bit of johnson's thinking and what was going on with kennedy because kennedy got the back of his head taken off uh before he could make a decision on on what was going on there I basically think that, like, Johnson underestimated the fact that he just put in the airfields, because we were supposed to be providing, like, logistics and support, and then we put troops to defend the airfields, and then we put in troops to defend the troops defend, and they just spiraled out of control from there, so, until we basically were just, like, in the shit, and we couldn't get out.
0: Well, America really fucked it up when they, like, decided that, you know what, the the leader of South Vietnam, let's just kill him. and Giao, and, giao yeah.
1: no, giao, no, no, Oh, DM, not Joe. DM. Joe was somebody else. Sorry. No, it's a uh, DM. Yeah, DM. DM. Yeah. Uh, he you like, made me look like a fucking idiot. No, no, no.
0: It's those names are complicated, man. Like, um, but like you it's know, we, not
1: a racial thing. It's just I got to mix it with somebody else.
0: Oh, no, I just mean like they're complicated because we're not used to them. I'm not saying that their names are complicated because like they are. It's just for us. White men here from America
1: in Wisconsin used, of used, all places used to pronouncing them these Polish names and like Johnson and you know dude like, I mean when you, it's kind of weird though because we live in a we live in a state where about two thirds of the towns and cities are literally Native American names and we can just like Ashawaconon Makwanago, Okanemawak I put a little bit of like in that for some reason you did. But, a little bit of extra... oh <laughs> Let's get you it's my people speaking to me. <laughs> But anyway... That's not a joke. Partially Native American, so you can get off my dick over there, Internet. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, he did make a big deal of the fact he was pointing out the de- uh, diplomatic trips he made to the USSR and the People's Republic of China or the PRC. Uh, the one he did to the PRC was big because that was the first time that he was able to open China, basically, a little bit economically. without. And that was kind of... The idea was trying to cool, like thaw things out without pissing them off. The idea to... That in detente, it wasn't always about military strength. It was about consumer spending a little bit. So that was sort of the idea, was that they could create trade inroads. You could avoid these fucking problems, like, in 62 and in the 50s, with, like, Czechoslovakia and all that shit. And for his credit, I mean, that was the first time an American president had visited the Soviet Union, ever, since its, like, creation in 1917. I think. Otherwise, it may not have been the Soviet Union at that point in time. I think it was something named... But JFK didn't go there? No, he went to Vienna, and that was where um, he, he met he Khrushchev. Did, he did meet with Khrushchev. And he did not go to the Soviet Union. Okay. which is, This was big, because this was the first time he'd done it. It was in the process of 1972, or it was before, slightly right. after his State of the Union. But still. Um, He wanted to basically hear... This is sort of where I had to start picking up some of his shit, was the fact that Nixon stated that... The United States, is, and this is all all of the stuff that I'm, all the direct quotes here I'm taking and all the statistics come directly from what he said because C-SPAN has it in their archives. So if you want to find it, it is there. Um, We will maybe be posting it on the website. I'll have to see. I have a list of them, but that's not for now. Um, He talked about the idea that the United States was going to make progress towards our goal of a new prosperity without war because obviously people were fucking sick of the war. And so he kind of touted the industrial production, consumer spending, retail sales, personal income, and saying that it was an increase in it, which was true. Um, one of the statistics that I found was that for industrial production specifically, from 1970, they they only had like 0.2%, which we're not going to get into the numbers because I'm not an economist and I really don't want to fucking talk about it. But 0.2% growth to 1972 where they had 53 So you do not need to be an economist to notice that's a big jump. So, okay, why is that important? Well, because in that regard, he was basically stating that since he had joined, or since he'd become the President of the United States in 1969, Mm -hmm. effectively, that his policies were working. That he wanted to get them out of Vietnam and that he was talking about the positives of what was going on, right? A lot of times, America was not seeing positives. There was a lot of unrest, which would continue until the war was done, and a little bit after. But, like, I mean, that was the issue. Okay. Uh, he talked about total employment and real c- income being the biggest in history. Um, fair shake to any future politicians. Don't use those words, biggest in history. Because that's almost immediately not fucking true. <laughs> or you well, just don't bullshit. Just I what think, I'm saying.
0: I think as historians, we've learned not to make absolute comments. Because yeah. like, they generally don't hold up.
1: Oh, you mean like the biggest crowds in inauguration history? They're the biggest. It's true. The biggest, I, the I, uh, baddest. I have the widest crowds. The widest. I,
0: listen, this Looks crowd, like snow fell early. This crowd, everybody. Oh, this crowd, they're beautiful. Yeah, everybody. Most yeah. of
1: you are a bunch of backwoods hicks, but I love you.
0: Most of you, I wouldn't shake your hand if you came up here. That's true.
1: I would not pee on you if you were on fire. Anyway. anyway um, You'll all be my pawns for the coming Civil War. Anyway. um. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, two things here. Total employment. Just Again, looking at numbers here and for real income, but total employment, what had happened was he actually, when he was president in 69 to 70 and 71, there was sluggish employment. And this would dog his presidency and the presidency after him, I think Carter's up until about Reagan's, was the fact that total employment, unemployment specifically, would become a huge problem because originally it had been sluggish. Unemployment jumped to, like, I think somewhere between, like, not 8%, but somewhere close to that. Maybe, like, 8 to 10. I don't know. Totally. In that, because some of the numbers were, again, taken and skewed and then had to be redone. Um, But the fact was it was a sluggish to strong start, so he could use that as sort of a thing. Say, see? My process works. Listen, the. the process, you know. No, you listen here, you listen, bunch of pussies. I'm going to tell you something, you bunch of anti-war hicks. I'm going to go <clears throat>
0: down to the hotel, right? And uh, I'm going to get myself a nice little room. i like Buddy Ferdinand to take that
1: lotion and pass it my way. Oh, all right, anyway. I love
0: how we turned him into uh,
1: something else. What the fuck? I don't know what that was. <laughs> okay. Uh, his <laughs> real income quote being the biggest in history, to his credit... Uh, for 1971, total income. He, he boasted a lot about economics. He did basically because that's kind of how you needed to do it.
0: Cause I'm like, getting, I'm getting a little bogged down of the numbers. I'm not gonna
1: lie. I know. So was I. So was I. I had to make. That's why I said I did not do numbers for all of this. I just kind of, kind of had to take it at face value and keep moving. Um, and everybody's like, hey, you guys didn't do your research right. Guess what? I had a week to do this. Get off my ass. This, this is, is also, my hobby.
0: This is also partially a comedy podcast. This is a hobby, people. And if we just literally spouted out numbers for an hour. I'm sure we'd lose F-
1: most of no, our time. No, it's fine. 6.2% from 70 to 71. You want to go into that? I don't give a fuck. Let's do it. Anyway, let's do the big numbers podcast. Yeah, no. Big nobody's going to be listening to that. Or <laughs> one really weird dude. I like it when they talk about the zeroes. It's like, get your <laughs> oh. hand out of your pants, Jeff. You're at work. The decimals make me feel horny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if there's one thing that really gets me going, it's the decibels. periods. Oh, it's the <laughs> I like all those fucking dots. Oh, yeah. I love
1: the number pi. It's the sexiest. <laughs> you know, like, is this like, this is like 4 point talk for a guy who works at like, <laughs> yeah, my tea or something like that. Man, you're pious. I want to get in your pie, 3.1415. I just nut in my pants. It's fine. Anyway,
0: <laughs> uh, it happens every time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, real income for him, to his credit, uh, the max total income in America at the time per the year at the end of 1971 was $10,382.95 in the average American household. By 1972, it had reached 11286 seven cents. So there was an increase. He wasn't wrong about that. It wasn't big. Not the biggest in history for sure, because at the point in time seventy two, you had like all the other history up until twenty twenty to talk to, but uh, yeah, again giving him credit, he was price properly telling the truth at the time. Uh, he talked about the rise in business and consumers uh, confidence, which again there is no details on that because that is a fucking opinion, and I am not talking about that. Um, Today he is not magic. Yeah. He he did tout the new home building starts, the idea that people were building more houses. It reached the highest level ever. According to the data that I saw, and just quick consideration, it appears to be correct. It wasn't the highest ever, but again, the increase was there. Again, it's kind of hard to use that in the context because records were shit prior to that. (laughs) Wonderful. You could say that about American seventeen seventy six. Yeah, building was on the rise just because we had a new country to work with. Is on the rise. Already. I've got enough money, and hey, there's people over there. You're not people. You're not doing anything. What? Like. <laughs> That's my thing now. Why are, you saying? Right. Why are you saying that? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what do you mean? No. It's my people. I can do the fucking voice. I know. I know. Anyway, I know. Uh, he touted the fact that interest rates were down, which again was true. Uh, he did state the rate of inflation was down. And he said that the back of inflation will be broken in 72. So my problem with that, immediately after, inflation started going up. Especially when you get into, like, um, the Ford presidency and a little bit into Carter when you had OPEC fucking around with oil prices and stuff like that. And devaluation of American money because there's a deeper issue with the gold standard that I'm not sure I really want to get into. So, basically, yeah, go ahead. and. I guess it. my question is...
0: A lot of economic talk right here. Yeah, I know. We're um, almost done. No, my question is, how does this,
1: why do I care? Well, the fact is that at this point in time, this is going to be leading to how people vote. Mm-hmm. I probably should have made again, this is issueable for me because right now it's a lot of facts. But, again, with 72 being an election year, a lot of people were going to say, well, who's the candidate who's making a better case here? Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Nixon has quite a lot going on for him right here. People like him. They will continue to like him even up until the very end when he resigns. So this was basically sort of setting the stage as American voters started looking at political candidates. What the fuck? Like, who am I supposed to vote for here? Am I going to vote for the incumbent who's doing okay job? Or am I going to vote for the n- new guy coming in who I don't know what his record's going to be like? That kind of makes sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're not wrong. I got bogged down, and this is probably going to be the harder part this first one. Because of the numbers. Um, We will talk about the candidates, too, both political parties, because that involves them almost directly. Hubert Humphrey's campaign and Nixon's campaign. And then we talk about Nixon as the person. And then we'll wrap it up. Like I said, this is going to be probably the driest part. God knows. I know that. But we have to get through (laughs) it. All right? (laughs) I'm Doug Dimdome. Oh, the Dimdome Dimdome. Yeah, basically. So, yeah. um, Again, inflation, that would be a lie because inflation would fuck with the country for the next 20 or so years. Uh, National unemployment rate, he said, was a bad thing. It rested around 6%. But he stated the goal of full or 0% unemployment in peacetime, which... Lucas, you and I took economics is that Zero
0: percent unemployment Is that
1: real? Is unemployment. Zero percent unemployment. Not, possible. not a possibility. No, that is that is not a real because thing. There are little populations that will not be able to work ever. No. And no. you can't change that. Or people in transition. I don't know why he said it, and I literally wrote it down as saying not a reality. On my notebook. 0%
0: unemployment. Yeah, because that's a real possible thing.
1: Yeah, basically. So, again, like I said, what we could gather from this is the fact that Nixon basically said that the country was elevating itself from the quagmire of Vietnam, getting back on its feet, moving forward, doing well, or at least better than it had been doing. Quagmire. Giggity. 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 Yeah, just like quagmire from Family Guy, uh, you do not want to be in or around him at any point in time, because just like Vietnam, you will be shot. Um, You get ringworm because you don't change your socks. I learned that from Forrest Gump. Um, You also don't salute an officer because the snipers will pick him off from a mile. Basically, though, the idea was that he pushed the fact that his ideals of remaking the United States as a competitive entity would be the focus on the Internet. And the fact that he was going to focus on internal ills was what wanted to make him look because he's already starting to plan up for the election at this point. Here comes the reality, though foreign standing wise the nixon diplomacy which was what he was implying because again this is going to affect how people look at Mm -hmm. the presidential candidates in from 72 to 73 we had something called nixon diplomacy the idea basically being that it was basically detente from confrontation to talking and shit like that you know it was the height so again going to russia going to china that was that was positive right a lot of people were seeing that as a positive um Of course, there are the treaty changes in Europe, in Western Europe specifically, we had sort of a reduction of troop strength, which was good, because a lot of people thought we were spending too much money there anyway. So there were a lot of positives there. He goes through the idea, I'm not going to, again, we we can talk about the fact that he was negotiating uh, the Vietnamese peace talks, kind of fucked that up, because then he decided to start carpet bombing again, literally in the middle when they walked out, and then they mined the harbors. And it just kind of kept delaying and delaying it. So, a lot of people kind of saw that as him kind of testing them. And some people said, what the fuck are you doing? Just get us out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see here. So, you know, Soviet, we're not going to do that. Um, slight problem, though, was even though things were getting better in Southeast Asia or getting slightly more stable and things in Western Europe were doing okay, mm-hmm. you had a number of South and Central American countries going to communism almost immediately. Yep. Like Cuba, Chile, Argentina, Peru, Brazil, and Colombia. So a lot of people saw that as a problem because certain voters were saying, like, Nixon, you can't fucking handle this. Like, you need to go in there kick ass. And some people were like, that's good that he's staying out because he, they already see that there could be problems. Yeah. Some people are starting to, to believe, you know, correctly
0: that yeah. you can't fight a fucking concept. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> you can't fight an ideological concept, George Bush or Dick Cheney.
1: The men... You can't we fight just terrorism! We can't, we're just gonna ignore the fact that Dick Cheney at one point in time during 9-11 said, shoot it down. He was referring to any commercial airliner within D.C. territory. He was gonna say the Air Force to blow American citizens out of the sky. That's an evil villain move.
0: It is. Also, yeah. you can't fight terrorism. So, because terrorism is a concept. The
1: more you
0: know. And you can't fight
1: communism, and that's what our friend... Uh, the 70s, All you can do grand. is outspend the bitch. <laughs> anyway, so economics, again, here we go. Uh, again, he's not wrong. 72, we did see and we were enjoying prosperity. So Nixon was telling the truth there, and a lot of people did feel that that would kind of improve. Because whatever whatever the economy is doing good, that president usually gets reelected, right? That That's basically the general rule.
0: Correct.
1: There was a high real growth rate 6.4%. Again, these numbers are pretty much inconsequential to what we're talking about. Uh, there was a fall in employment, uh, about 5.1% at the end of 1972. So what he was talking about, it, having it, he was kind of pissed about it being at 6%. He kind of got what he wanted, and then it snapped back on him. Domestic situation was not great, though, because as he's talking about all this economic shit, some people are starting to see the good old term stagflation. Basically, stagnation and inflation. So, unemployment and high prices. Uh, a lot, Some people would not... They were not going to see that voting for him. but all, some experts were starting to notice. And we're throwing the red flag, like, hey, this is a fucking problem. And then, you know, they just kind of weren't paid attention to. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, unemployment was considered low. We're not going to go over that. Uh, there was a slight problem, which did turn a lot of people, especially in the unions, on him was the fact that while Nixon was attempting to keep funding for federal programs under $200 million to keep that defense spending up, he actually had to acquiesce at one point in time, and he delayed pay raises to a lot of federal employees for about six months. Um, Believe it or not, that pissed him off. Actually caused a lot of the postal workers to strike, and... There's an ice cream truck outside. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Fucking postal worker strike. So, yeah, basically at that point in time. So, the postal worker strike was a bit of a ding to his image because, you know, if you have riots in the street, you're probably not seen as doing a good job. Yep. Uh, a lot of unemployment shit. There was a somewhat of an economic boom in 1972 because it had actually jumped up, which is kind of weird. So, a lot of the data that I saw basically saying was low from 69 to the beginning of 72. 72 was great, and then it just went back to being kind of shit. But whatever. There's a lot of environmental protection policies. Some people saw that as positive. You know, you started inventing the EPA and all this stuff. People were like, hey, you know, good domestic policy. That was kind of a safe bet that he could do. Domestic unrest is kind of a problem. This is where he starts to lie. Because a lot of people were still pissed about Vietnam. And that's where a lot of, like, people who genuinely hated Nixon as sort of being, like, a a fascist. That's where this comes from. So there are a couple situations here during 72. I'm going to go through just a couple examples of some uprising that was going on. Um, There was a lot of issues where when Nixon decided to authorize, like, mining of North Vietnamese ports and the carpet bombing campaign to, kind of, like, as they were literally starting to try to get out of the war... There was a series of public protest demonstrations with quote-unquote mass marches, and this is from the New York Times of that day in that year. This was an article that they said where there were public protests slash demonstrations, mass marches, window-smashing sprees, silent vigils, and traffic-blocking sit-ins. The majority of the student demonstrations originated on campuses. So, again, usually college voters, they're probably not going for Nixon, probably, unless you're like, like the Young Republicans group. And so that was kind of an issue because a lot of young people, a lot of young people, that's a good chunk, college-educated people, usually the ones you're looking for in an election here. And uh, in campuses and universities across the country, most of the demonstrations maintained a peaceful aim, but some spilled into violent confrontation, which literally directly counteracts Nixon's statement about 72 being the end of domestic unrest, like yes. as it was happening. Um, We had one example, we had students from Columbia University met with violence on a rally that began in Morningside Campus in New York, ended with a clash with police, mostly just arrests, nothing much going on there. Uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, however, uh, slightly different scenario, two student demonstrators were wounded by buckshot after state police used tear gas to break a crowd of, give or take 300 demonstrators blocking Interstate Highway 25. So, not great. And this was just like a couple examples. So Oh, gotta love it, gotta love it. So crime he talked about basically the reality was it had gone down at a national level, both violent and nonviolent. But at the end of seventy-two, those national totals for violent crime actually were continu- like for a point nationally they were going down. But again, like within like the DC area where he literally said the violent crime was going down, the violent crime was literally going up constantly. And it would be a continuous trend, basically until around the late nineties and that comes from the FBI Uniform Crime Reporting Statistics website. Yeah, cuz that's the sexiest thing I could possibly talk about. If you're as bored as we are, trust me. We're on the same fucking boat. The
0: FBI female body inspector? You know what?
1: You are you and every guy at Daytona Beach right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to see Sunset out, guns out, bro? It's not gay if I smack you on the ass. <laughs> it's not
0: it's
1: not gay. It's true. It's true. lucas has now moved to his bed like like rose from titanic paint me like draw me like one of your french girls over here i just wanted a more comfortable seat that's Uh, fair uh yeah so it was it was interesting basically we conclude the stating that nixon's address was primarily on the mark but definitely lacked in a couple of areas And, again...
0: So he fudged
1: a couple things? He fudged a couple things, and that would come to bite him as the election was looming in 1972. The fact here is this. That we're still going through the movement of trying to get out of Vietnam. People were still pissed. But Nixon being an ardent sort of, like, get these hippies out of here sort of personality... that was gonna that was gonna alienate a large chunk of voters a lot of americans didn't want to be there well yeah most of the i mean like i said this is really when both parties kind of shifted to what we know them now so like the republican and the democratic party when nixon was elected in 68 um so we kind of come to the political situation we start getting more on point here okay so what are we talking about in political situation why does it matter the fact is that we are looking at two parties here in this election and we need to know where they stand which one's strong which one's not because this does factor in the fact that the break-in of the dnc headquarters in watergate what they were looking for what they were attempting to do was basically to get a political edge as the election was coming up so so they were doing great pretty (laughs) kind of actually surprisingly the republicans were doing great the democrats were fucking screwed I don't know how they tried. So I kind of started with the Democratic Party, and here you saw an election pitting incumbent Republican President Richard Nixon against Democratic U.S. Senator George. Oh, no, it was George McGovern, not Hubert Humphrey.
0: I almost thought you should say George Thoroughgood. <laughs> <laughs> what? What?
1: And then George Thoroughgood's gonna open for us. Singer? <laughs> I think he's a singer. I was gonna say. For some reason, I equated George Thorogood to fucking like the guy, who, like an Eldo Leopold For some reason, I'm like, yes, he's gonna tell us a story or two about some birds he saw in his yard. I'm like, fuck. I just want to be a fly on the wall of that. My like, God, damn it. Just like fuck. All right, tell us about the grass. Come on, George. So, anyway, the Democratic Party, prior to the Watergate break-in, the political platform of the 1972 Democratic Party, who was headed by George McGovern, emphasized an immediate ceasefire of the Vietnam War and, which is nice, I would have kind of probably voted for him on this, the institution of a guaranteed minimum income for the nation's poor. <laughs> that's good! Minimum that's, wage. that's great! That's great! Well, where's the problem? Regardless of those popular opinions <laughs> meant to attract the younger voters... And the poor and people who worked in that variety area.
0: The soul.
1: McGovern's genuine opinions on foreign policy were pretty fucking wild. I mean, the fact that he wanted to basically hard ceasefire and just be done. And the fact all of that kind of alienated a lot of the, uh, shall we say, powerful Democrats. (laughs) You know, the, the power players club of the Democratic Party. We're, on, we're even... we're Even You're you...
0: you on the Power Players
1: Club. Club. That actually sounds like... like we're, Bah-dun. 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 we're not going to be able to use that because uh, Pat Sajak or whoever runs that thing is going to come in here and he's going to throw Werther's Originals at us.
0: <laughs> Stop using the song. It's
1: Stop just, using the song. just like... Nope, well, no, no. What did I tell you, boy? What did I tell you? Now I'm going to have to smack you. Like Ben Crosby hitting his kid with a bag of oranges. Well, I just, I imagine just a barely coherent
0: guy walking in and door, Stop using the song. He's <laughs>
1: just like knocking
0: on the door. Get on, no. Oh.
1: Stop using the song. Oh, I remember the days. Stop using the song. <laughs> I remember the days when I had to sit on the porch. Withers Originals gives you that kind of nostalgic taste for the original. All right, days. so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm plugging hard candy over here. Uh, yeah, uh. Getting back to it, a lot of the powerful Democrats thought that McGovern's foreign policy just seemed too extreme, and there were the revelations of something called the Eagleton incident. Oh. <laughs> McGovern's <laughs> sued to be vice presidential nominee, Thomas Eagleton. <laughs> uh, this man is a fucking hot mess. I, I
0: think I've heard about this. You one. have,
1: oh, buddy, what do you think it is?
0: No, I think I, I think I literally watched/listened to a podcast episode about this, but. Please, just,
1: uh, please enlighten me further. Oh, man. Eagleton, so basically how this was comprised was that at a point in time, Eagleton made comments of McGovern as a quote-unquote amnesty, abortion, and acid candidate, which sounds fucking rock and roll. <laughs> rock and roll! <laughs> I don't know how that didn't bring more hippies to his side, but, I don't know, dude, he says acid fuck Yeah! <laughs> Acid. Mm-hmm. Amnesty. The idea here was this that basically what they were saying was that he was going to give amnesty to the people who were draft Dodgers. He was going to be the person who emphasized abortions. This is why the abortions in 1972 America so still pretty fucking taboo. Having to go meet a guy. Named Two-Finger Richard in a dirty alleyway to get a coat hanger. Not Two-Dick Rich. Jammed in your... Alright, well, that's how he... uh, That's how he became... (laughs) Alright. Yo, man, they call me Two-Dick Rich. I just got one dick. I just got two dicks in my name. Anyway, moving on. stands for the courage I have to speak my mind. (laughs) I don't let the man put no constraints on me. Why is he becoming black? I don't know why. I just assume he's just like a, a like a very prophetic sort of like civil rights dude, where he goes up there. This was after MLK went up there and told us, "I have a dream." Uh, it's just Walter Cronkite, Cron- like this is uh this uh, is. Oh ladies and gentlemen, this know, is okay. Two Dick Richard up there talking about how all the hoes uh, should have. This is Tom Brokaw. <laughs> We've got a new speaker. Two Dick Rich. Is this becoming? Uh, is this becoming Lee? Oh <laughs> uh, I just wanna. No, Tom Brokaw comes a lot more out of the throat. you got to really sound pissed off. Would you just say Tom Brokaw is going to come down somebody's throat? Is no, that what you he said? he comes
0: a lot more down the throat
1: like the voice. Oh, I, I bet think. he does. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Anyway, um, so that was kind of a, a tag because basically it really hardened the right wing to McGovern being a guy. Like, it definitely started pushing the middle ground voters To Richard Nixon, because I'm like, I don't want to fucking have this guy. Um, Nixon? Yeah. And then here's a a bigger issue. Uh, He had a lot of undisclosed bouts of clinical depression and hospitalization. Oh. And that part did hurt. I did hear about that. He was, I think he was fairly suicidal. I don't know for certain. And if you are feeling suicidal, remember to call Suicide Hotline. Hotline. Yes. Tell your friends, your family. Tell your pastor or a rabbi, that's not even a joke. I don't no, care. It, it, I'll see you. Or your it's, imam, or, or I'm not sure who who it is. In if the, you're having trouble, please, sheik, please seek help. Please talk to somebody. Yeah, please, God, for the love of God, that is not the way to do it. Because, yeah, if he did not kill himself, regardless, obviously, I think he's passed away at this point. But the the depression and the hospitalization basically made him look like a bad candidate. It made it look like McGovern didn't know how to choose his people. Be honest, I wouldn't even put that on him because it was undisclosed. But that was kind of the stigma of the seventies, especially in the twentieth century. It's like he's a weirdie. That was basically what they saw, and they couldn't. They just didn't have the faith there. Mm-hmm. Um, on the switcheroo was, was the Republican.
2: Yeah. That, was the that?
1: Republican Party basically here? they had far stronger prospects for victory in 72 just because they had an incumbent president in tow. And the fact that they had a Democratic opponent that was weakened by, like, inner strife. They basically had an opponent that didn't know what the fuck to do with themselves. Because they basically had kind of broken apart in 69 when he first got elected. They were like, (laughs) let's give her a go! And it's like, just, god damn it, you need to come (laughs) up with something. This was like the Democratic Party in, like, 2016 to now. Like, the Democratic, like, all of that shit where we had to choose between old people pretending to be cool. <laughs> and we have Joe Biden now. <laughs>
0: hey,
1: the best choice we could possibly have probably of those people. That
0: is the best choice we have currently. Yeah. Yep. Hashtag Joe Biden 2020.
1: Hashtag, uh, you know, America question mark? Yeah. Anyway, if uh, you don't hear from us for a while, we are being drafted to fight in the second American Civil War. <laughs> I can't wait. I will. I will literally go... I will, yeah. I would do it. Just so I can kick Texas' ass a second time. (laughs) Do I, I don't like Texas. That's all I'm saying. Uh, So, yeah. There's not a lot going on here. I respect your Texan listeners. Uh, You know, you guys complain a lot about breaking off and becoming your own state. Just fucking do it, man. Just do it. You won't. No balls. And Anywho. So not collectively listening to this, so keep, please keep going. Actually, I would love it if the entire state just turned <laughs> just like, you know what? Fuck you. Yes, we will. <laughs> just <laughs> just sticks detonator cord in the fucking borderline just blows them into the fucking <laughs> into the fucking gulf of Mexico. He's become a he's like it's like a fucking like sailboat out of water world just like drifting and, and causing danger and destruction wherever they go. You, you good there? I'm great. <laughs> you look like you're fucking done already. I'm amazing. I keep hope going. you are. Anyway.
0: I'm, I'm,
1: I'm. We're basically conceded to the fact that there's not going to be a high listener count for this episode. There might be. Just tune in for episode two. That's all I can say. That's when the fun starts.
0: we keep listening to this episode.
1: Yeah, please. If you're already at this point, we're pretty much there. All right. So... Again, the Republican Party had a pretty good shot just on the fact that they shot had... Shot through the heart! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? He's throwing shots so. Okay, fine. Shot through the heart! All right, now we gotta fucking pay him money, goddammit! <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Hey. Um, they were just able to portray McGovern as a radical left-wing extremist who was too incompetent to be president. And that pretty much was it. At that, they were just basically... Their platform was, we're gonna keep on keeping on. Rock and roll will never die. <laughs> Tin soldiers and Nixon's coming. Yeah. Rock and roll, coochie coo. Oh, are you, I, you just ignored the fact that I mentioned the Ohio State fucking massacre of nineteen seventy-two. Oh, Jesus. Anywho, that was also a negative, was that? Yeah. But ba- I don't
0: think that's a negative. Well, it
1: definitely was the fact that I accidentally, literally looked over at my notes. <laughs> I'm fucking running on six hours of sleep. Give me a fucking break for the last week and a half. <laughs> I taught a sixth grade class. We had to keep a kid from eating a fucking chocolate bar he found out in the woods. (laughs) Give me a goddamn break, all right? Margaret, you don't know my struggle. So, Jake. You took the kids. All right. Can you get back to the fucking topic? Okay. All right. That brings us basically to... Let's just want to make sure this is the final... It is. All right. This will bring us to the final portion of this episode. The man, the myth, or as I like to call him, the man at the eye of the storm, Richard Melhouse. Richard <laughs> He does not have... You make him sound like he has
2: Parkinson's disease.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so some basic bio stuff. If you did listen to our uh, podcast, of The March Madness, about Richard Nixon, who I had just the fucking grandest time researching him for. um, And... We also put out an episode about Richard Nixon. dude. we way did way back when? Uh, to the point I think where I literally made Lucas want to stab me to death in his old apartment. No. Yes. I never wanted to stab you mm. to death. No. <laughs> what do you mean no? No. Anyway. <laughs> just the way you said it was great. No. <laughs> so some basic stuff. Born January 9th, 1930, died April twenty second, nineteen ninety four. Actually it was kinda interesting that he lived that long. Um, not not in, like, a bad way. Usually people back then just died. Um, but he was 37th president of the United States from 69 to 74. Spoiler alert. Uh, he's the 36th vice president of the United States from 53 to 61. He was a United States senator from California in 1950 to 53. He was an ardent anti-communist. He was on the, I think it was the, what was it, the Committee of Un-American Activities. was that yep. what they called them themselves? Yeah. Yep. But basically here what we're looking for is the fact that We want to see his personality. Now, again, we focus on personality because Nixon becomes a part of the story because he fucking decided to try to cover it up. But why does he cover it up? There's a lot of questions here, and that's why we talk about Nixon's persona, and it's going to come up again. Primarily because Nixon, according to Tom Wicker's essay on Richard Nixon's personality called Character Above All, which I had the dubious character above all. Huh? I love it, because he, he kind of takes the middle ground. He does, he, for his credit, Tom Wicker does say he was neither saint nor sinner. He was in the middle. But basically, Nixon's person, according to Tom, or Wicker's account, because he interviewed a lot of Nixon's close aides, friends, and enemies, was that he was the person considered that of an introvert in the extrovert calling of a politician. Basically meaning he didn't like the social asterisks, Aspects of his job. Oh, Nixon didn't like to socialize? Hell no. He was very, very uncomfortable around people. And this is just... It just adds to, like, how weird of a dude he is. Because not only the is he, introvert, like...
0: introvert isn't weird, but...
1: Well, but him being an introvert in that position, it folds into a number of other psychological things that were going on in his head. Number one, basically, the, his image was made especially difficult by the fact that he was seen as an intellectual, appealing to a public that, quote-unquote... Puts low value on eggheads, which I love that statement, because it's, like, such a fucking, like, mid-90s thing to say. Basically, what it meant was that he was not an intellectual in the scholastic sense. He was not a professor, but the fact that he was the kind of person who could rely greatly on his own intelligence and the intelligence of others, and the idea that he was had a considerable capacity to read and understand technical papers... Basically saying that he was someone who, quote-unquote, retreated to a room alone and wrote in longhand on a yellow legal pad the gist of his major speeches. So, basically, what that says is that he was a thinker. He was not a guy who blindly rushed in, some would say like Johnson did. Uh, he was definitely somebody who considered all the options, right? Lucas has fallen asleep. I'm not, close. Okay. <laughs> I'm listening to you talk about this man. Mr. Richard Milhouse Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking didn't look like you're not currently in a food coma. <laughs> I'm not in a...
0: Hate, how
1: can I be a food coma? I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, he was a thinker, you know. He was not a dumb man. He was not. He impressed his colleagues with his ability to, ev- to evaluate pros and cons of a problem, right? He he definitely liked to break things down. He's kind of like me. I hate to say it. I like to literally know all of the angles before I make a major decision, which is why I don't have a girlfriend. God damn it. But...
0: That's the only reason?
1: Yes. <laughs> Never mind my socially okay. socially stagnant personality and the fact I don't try. I don't have a girlfriend either,
0: Nate.
1: Yeah, You're closer a... to one than me. I mean, moving on. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, early in life, Nixon f- found his identity, when he was in university especially, in the crowd of people that worked their way through education. He, for the pretty much until the day he died, had a chip on his shoulder for the Kennedys... Sort of those people, the Roosevelts, who were able to be born into power, that didn't have to do anything, they were granted everything. Nixon came from fairly low-level backgrounds, if you remember in the Nixon episode that we did. as I'm going to put Lucas on the spot here. Was he a rich or a poor man? Richard Milhouse Nixon? Yes. I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fucking wow. Anyway. No, basically he was middle class. He came from a working class family. And so for him, that was kind of a... Well, I mean, for a lot of Americans, that's a point of pride even today. Because you had Kennedys. Kennedys were a fucking dynasty. The Roosevelts were a fucking dynasty, both politically, socially, and economically. Like, they were millionaires. Yep. So for Nixon, he was basically like saying, you know, I fucking made this go of my own, and I became president, basically, from his bootstraps. Like, the fucking American ideal, man. It's It brings a tear to old Ronnie Reagan's eye. Uh, I mean, and I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> this has been brought to you by the Pre- Trump for America. Twi- no, uh, not there'll be a cold day in hell when I think he's a good president. Um, same. what? Same. I agree with you. Cold I, day I for you some day. reason I had no idea what you said. Okay. I just literally had a, like a stroke. I'm pretty sure. Uh, please don't. Okay. Uh, Part of his personality, and this is really what kind of fucked Nixon over when it comes down to Watergate, was that he suffered from an inferiority complex problem. It was minor, but he suffered from it because he was always afraid of showing weakness. And this is sort of what got him in trouble. Basically, he had a persecution complex, too. He was paranoid about everybody. Everybody was out to get him all the time. And it only intensified when Watergate happened. So that was... It's going to be a big deal because then you start seeing him with the Saturday Night Massacre and the bugging of the White House. That shit starts to really unravel his shit. And it... I mean, the tapes are probably the one big downfall yeah. for him. Yeah. The, the, water, the Saturday Night Massacre was just a fucking mistake in of itself because, you know, no one would assume anything was amiss if you fired the AG doing the investigation. <laughs> and then the AG... Would not refuse to do it, so he fired the 16 other guys who fucking said they weren't gonna do it either. So, yeah. Uh, he was actually quoted directly saying that what's. What, hold on. <laughs> do you want to do this in the voice? What? what? I have a direct what? quote. You want to do the voice? Let's Can you read this before I give this? Maybe. <laughs> give her a go. Um, uh,
0: okay, suffered. Where the piss does this quote start? Right here. (laughs) Oh, okay. What starts the process really are laughs and slights and snubs when you're a kid. But if you are reasonable and intelligent and if your anger is deep enough and strong enough you learn that you can change these attitudes by excellence, personal, Personal, but performance. While these, those who, those who I'm have everything, are sitting on their, their asses, on their asses. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sitting on their assholes like I do <laughs> when I go take a shit.
1: Personal gut. <laughs> it was personal gut performance. Yeah, that. Little well, little
0: personal gut performance.
1: Not sure what that means. Oh <laughs> It
0: means whipping out your penis when you're in the bathroom.
1: Uh, what well, I want you to do is I want you to make sure you don't cut the seam of the pants down near around my nut sack because my bunghole hole hangs over. Alright. Basically what we stated here was that Nixon says all of the shit that he endured in his childhood, which was the fact that kids usually make fun of other kids. Happened to me. If you can use that and you're and you're pissed enough. Which goddammit Richard Nixon was angry as hell most of the time. You're angry enough. All my dog chuckers. Shut up, goddamn you <laughs> like basically like that. I basically what happened at this point was the fact that if you were smart enough and you were pissed enough and you were strong enough, you could literally be better than the people who got it handed to them. That was I mean, the fact that he says, "If your anger is deep enough, it's a little concerning," because he sounds like the Emperor from Star if Wars. If your anger is deep enough, <laughs> that sounded so weird. <laughs> I movie. feel, I feel the hate flow through you, It's I Anakin. I have the higher ground. I hate you. <laughs> I am listening. All right, that's more. I am listening. <laughs> it's treason, though. So it's yes. treason, Larkin. That's so goddamn it. <laughs> Fuck. It's so stupid. Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, due to his hard fighting demeanor, he def- he develops this, like, serious paranoia problem about the total numbers of enemies he supposedly had. It eventually, it culminates in the fact that he has the White House Oval Office bugged, where he has recordings of all of his conversations because he was. Gonna try to use it as sort of like, kind of like blackmail, but kind of like leverage to say, "Hey, asshole, you're gonna turn on me. I've got this that I can use against you." You know, on the tapes, with mean, numerous conversations of shit. But that's the thing. Don't record yourself doing the evil shit. That's all I have but to I say. Thought if I brought out the recorder, people would understand my anger. <laughs> 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 Uh yeah, so I mean and to be honest, him bugging his own office could have literally been started the psychological paranoia. See, we
0: haven't gotten that yet though. He hasn't even done any weird. No, we haven't,
1: yet. but the fact is that that paranoia which comes into play continues to be the problem literally until the end for him until he's just a broken man. Probably came from the fact that he was part of the Un American Activities Committee. The fact that he was like there were communists everywhere and you needed to find them all. Like as yeah. oh, I don't like to call them. <laughs> What the fuck did you just say? Like,
0: the house on non-American. Oh, I
1: thought it was some sort of slur they use for communists. No, no, sir. Yeah. And so, that concludes the episode. We have talked Nixon's personality. That will come into play. We have talked the political situation which sets the stage for Watergate. We have talked the national situation that set the stage for the election. Is there anything else you'd like to ask, Ed? Um, I'd just like to state that if you made it through the whole episode, you know, good for you. Watergate sounds
0: real. Think of Eat, eat
1: your own dick, Jake. What? Water- <laughs> <laughs> I told you to eat your own dick. You fucked that up so bad. Watergate, Watergate, Fuck. Watergate sounds real. Think, like Jake. Eat your own dick. And that's just basically it. It was just as mumbling, <laughs> ended with the word dick.
0: Well. Um, if that's not a good incentive to listen to the next episode, I don't
1: know why. Uh, next episode, you will love it. We talk about the bum squad that broke the fucking Watergate break <laughs> and the man, the myth, the legend, Frank Willis. Alright, it's gonna be a good time. Uh, we're gonna go through the break-in,
0: hashtag break-in of next episode.
1: <laughs> hashtag break-in.
0: Uh, that one's gonna be coming out a little sooner, so, uh... We'll probably be looking at midweek I, release next week. We're report. planning on doing it around... Tuesday, So you should be looking for that episode into your feeds, hopefully Wednesday, as long as yeah. you're not a bum. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Uh, not... But you'd be good for the Bum Squad.
0: The Bum Squad. Hashtag Bum Squad! Which, which literally
1: just sounds like a gay porn thing, but you know what? It's <laughs> the know. 70s, and hey, live your life.
0: So I uh, hope you enjoyed the build-up. Um, uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, scream on to the uh, burglary on uh, Tuesday night, yeah. so... Y'all have a wonderful rest Fun fact, I'm weekend. pretty
1: sure that I think that burglary happened on a Tuesday night. Ooh. Oh. oh! We're gonna break the Matrix. The Matrix. We're gonna... The you wanna not fuck that up? <laughs>
0: the universe is broken. <laughs> <laughs> There's a glitch in the Matrix.
1: There
0: it is. <laughs> Bye, uh, I
1: see ya. Fuck.
2: your home troubled by strange noises? Do objects move about your domicile seemingly of their own volition? Do unseen talking rodentia leave unsightly teeth marks in your butter? Do large hairy anthropoids stalk your yard? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then don't wait another day. Listen to the Least Haunted Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Least Haunted Podcast, a place where skepticism, science, anthropology, and humor meet to discuss all things haunting, spooky, supernatural, and sometimes just the plain stupid. Join me, your host, Cody Franks, and your co-host, Garth von Annen, that's me, as we journey all around the realms of the paranormal sciences to look with a critical and skeptical eye at various and sundry topics, such as witches, talking mongooses, the yeti. Superstitions surrounding the Black Death, the great cloudening of 2016, and a psychic Cold War for the very soul of England. And that's just in the first several episodes. So join us every other week for a fun and hopefully entertaining, informative dive into all manner of spooky and strange occurrences, people, places, and things. The least haunted podcast. Because the only thing that's haunted is you. Haunted is a relative term. Scientific knowledge does not acknowledge the existence of ghosts, haunts, spooks, specters, and general phantasma. The producers of Least Haunted are not responsible for any crisis of faith, a demonic possession, spontaneous development of supliferous nipples, or unintelligible writing that bleeds through the plaster of your walls that might develop as a result of listening to this podcast. Offer void in parallel dimensions, alternate realities, and timelines in which you are your own mother, father, grandfather, grandmother, child, niece, nephew, and or any combination of paradoxical, unbranching genealogies thereof. First go! Nice! Well done. <laughs> <Woo>. Damn. <laughs> Thank you.